Okay, turn with me to Ephesians 6. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. Now I'm going to get there in just a few minutes. Uh, Pastor Andy's going to give a quick testimony here in a minute regarding this. And as we had mentioned earlier, if you've been coming for the past couple weeks, uh, you know we've been talking about the believer's authority. And in particular, the past couple weeks, we've been talking about demons and what they are, how they operate, what to do about them. And last week, we pretty much, I guess in my view, had a deliverance service in a lot of ways where we just started naming and believing and casting out all the demons of all the different spirits, whether it be religious spirits, all this, all the stuff we casted out in the name of Jesus. And I read a list and it went on and on and on. Some people actually asked me for the list because in, you know, this is something like, not, you don't have to do it every day, but in my own life, my own mind, I said, Lord, what's going on? If I feel that pressure coming in from the enemy, I'm going to take a stand in the name of Jesus and start praying against those things that are trying to come against me and my family. And so we did that last week. And this week, I really want to focus on something, you know, that I think we all have to remember is, what do we do after that? What do we do after we cast the demon out? How do, because the Bible talks about, right, when the demons flee, they're looking for somewhere to go. Are they not? That's what the Bible says. Those demons, as they flee, they're looking for somewhere to go, to rest on, to rest in, to go after. And I want to talk about how do we resist the devil? And how, once we clean the house, how do we keep the house clean? How many how many uh, people out there who live in a home wish that you would be able to clean the house once and it would remain cleaned all the time, right? Or even for five minutes, depending on the number of children, dogs, pets, you know, if you open the window and let some air blow in, whatever it is, right? It always feels like you turn around, like it's dusty again. What the heck's going on, right? So, but in, in the spiritual realm, there's something we have to go do once we clean house, that we need to begin to assess, we have to actively resist the devil. Because look, it's, it's not like, ah, oh, well, you did it once, so I guess I'm not going to try again. That dude's persistent, if, if anything, right? And he's the father of lies, and he's tricky, and he's not stupid, he's pretty smart, he's got plans and purposes to come against you, and against the plans and the callings of God on your life. And so we need to be aware of that, we need to rebuke it, we need to cast it out, but then what? Then what do we do? How do I then... Re- basically put that fortress up around this house, around my house, and say, how am I going to resist the devil and keep any infiltration from happening in my life? Amen? So that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, Pastor Andy, you want to, I want to uh, have him give a testimony here of something that happened in his life in regards to this. Yeah, you can come up. I'm just oh. going to grab a water. Oh, okay. Um, it's actually... When I was a little boy, um, you know, I don't think a lot of us experience demonic activity and things in general like we see in the Bible, right? But um, we know it's true, and we've been talking about it. And um, so when I was very young, uh, me and my brother, uh, we lived in New Jersey with my parents, and I was probably like three, three-ish years old. And um, we lived over an auto body shop in an apartment uh, in New Jersey, and weird things were happening, and Chuck, I clarified it with Dad. Um, what happened was uh, 
that the place, the electrical box actually started to catch on fire and smoking everywhere. And my mom got us out of the apartment uh, very quickly. She actually took my brother down the stairs and fell and landed on him and thought she crushed him, but she did not, praise the Lord. (laughs) The Lord was merciful um, in that. But then um, there were other things that would happen where my mom would experience just utter terror in the house to the point where if she was taking a shower, she'd be afraid to close her eyes. And if she closed her eyes while she was washing her face, she was afraid to open them. And it was just so intense all the time. And so um, she had my grandmother come over, who's still alive, uh, and she anointed the place with oil and cast the devil out of that place. And um, from then on, there was peace. And when my mom and my dad, they talked to the owner of the auto body shop who rented the apartment, he said that a witch used to live up there, and she had a bunch of, of her occult and satanic witchcraft books up in the attic of the apartment. And when she moved out, uh, he got rid of all of them and, like, just destroyed them. But the spirit of, that was there remained in that home and was bringing just terror upon um, my mom and just fear and then causing you know, other weird things to happen in the, in the apartment. So the name of Jesus, the power of, the, of his name and anointing with oil um, brought peace to that apartment <clears throat> So while we lived there anyway. So praise the Lord. Amen. Powerful. Thank you. That's good. So the, the key verse we have here for the believer to start is out of Mark 16. I know you're in Ephesians 6, so just stay there. I have this up on the screen. It says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, which is why we've been sitting here for the past couple of weeks talking about this. I'm probably going to end that this week. Uh, and they will speak with new tongues. So I'm going to start that in the beginning of the year. Uh, we're going to talk about what does that mean to speak in new tongues. Uh, then it goes on to verse 18. says, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. We're going to talk about that then in early January. Then they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And so what is a believer? A believer is anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief. So those who are believers, it is a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something. And as you guys know, at ECF, we believe in the truth. And the truth, we know, sets us free. And so the truth is important. And so anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something is a believer. So then what is this authority? If we have a believer's authority, is this. It's a delegated power, the right to command and enforce obedience. So this believer's authority, those who believe that Jesus is who he says he is, did what he said he would do, and he is alive and well today, and we just have our faith and our trust in him, this authority that he delegated to us, which is a right to command and to enforce obedience. And we looked at that verse in Luke. We'll get to that in a little bit later here. But what enforce obedience over what? Over my spouse? <laughs> and all the ladies laughed. <laughs> I don't know why the ladies are laughing. The guys should be laughing too, right? No, not to enforce. How about trying to enforce obedience over our kids? Yeah, good luck with that. Trying to inf- like actually make them swallow a green bean. Okay? You know, or asparagus. Like, good luck with that, right? You, I mean, you could do all the, the neck things like this and put the water back and 
say, slump your head back like this. You're going to sit there for the rest of the night until you swallow that green bean that's in your mouth. They'll sit there the rest of the night. And they'll make your life miserable in the meantime. They will fuss, they will cry, they will whine, they'll complain, like all the stuff, right? So we understand. We can't force obedience really on anything except for what the Bible tells us we can, which is over all the power of the enemy. We can enforce God's authority over all the power of the enemy. That's why it's so exciting, this Believer's Authority uh, series that we're doing, why I believe that God is moving and doing it uh, all across uh, his church right now. So let me give you a quick update on my... Nope. Man, I just almost, I almost finished that sentence. Those who are with me who have been in this series, <clears throat> in the beginning of the series, I called it My Sleep Apnea. <clears throat> and I realized that my sleep apnea wasn't getting any better. Part of the reason was I was claiming it as my sleep apnea. So I've reversed that. I no longer say my sleep. See how I caught myself before I said it? Yeah. I caught and you all were, you all were helping me there too, right? But the sleep apnea challenge that I had, has I have overcome it because of Jesus Christ. Amen? The Lord has just given me insight and wisdom into it. I, I think I told you last week, I told you all to go home and anoint the house with oil and to just cast all the devils out and demons out of your house. And then Liz asked me, was like, well, did you do that in our house? I was just like, well, I did it when we first moved in. And, and she was like, well, how about we do it again? And that's true. I mean, it doesn't, just because you, you anoint your house with oil once doesn't mean you never have to do it again. Go ahead and anoint, because you don't know what has transpired, who has come in, who has come out, what has come in, what has come out. And so I just encourage you, and God is really, by the grace of the Lord, I've been able to sleep in peace, without losing my breath at all, without any drugs, without any anti-acid things, without any of it, by the grace of God. And he led me in that journey, and it wasn't, I didn't in the name of Jesus sit, and it just automatically was fixed. He led me on a journey of different things. I said, okay, if it's this, we're going to cast this out, but if it's this, Holy Spirit, show me, lead me, and guide me. And he did, because he loves us, and he cares for us, <clears throat> he loves us so much. And so we had, a, we had a fun time on Friday night, uh, Leadership Christian Academy, which is the school uh, that is at uh, this church as well. We've got 115 kids, and we launched a middle school basketball team this year. And my son is on it, and Hunter's on it, and uh, it's just, it's really exciting to go to the games. <clears throat> and uh, we're a new team, and we're growing, meaning there are experienced teams, and they're, they're better than us at the moment, and so we're growing as a team, and so we're at this game on Friday night, and this is just fun to talk about, because we were getting, we were, we were losing by quite a big score, and we were really having trouble scoring any points, and so the LCA cheering team, which were the parents and stuff, and those people from our church, we started saying, well, what if we took the, in the name of Jesus, what if we started using some believer's authority here? And start saying, in the name of Jesus, we are believing in faith that LCA, we're going to start scoring some points. And, we're gonna, and, and it was funny because we're just like, wait a second, is that in the Bible? Which was fun. So we were having fun with it. So we did in the name of Jesus. We did score some points. And we broke some things that were going on, you know, in the name of Jesus. There were some spiritual things going on, some, some timidity in the, in the players. We, actually, I feel like we actually saw that break. 
in the second half. We didn't specifically pray for that. But in general, like, we started asking ourselves, like, okay, we can't just in the name of Jesus, my team. So if you wanted the U.S. to win the World Cup, you couldn't in the name of Jesus it because that's not what was going to happen, okay? The USA is out of the World Cup, right? So you can't in the name of Jesus anything. But what you can do, again, is we can use that power of the name of Jesus against all the power of the enemy. All of it. And he gives us that. So Ephesians 6. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out of 1 James uh, chapter 4. <clears throat> I'm going to read out of James chapter 4 here. Because how many of you guys, you were here last week, our goal was to ruin Satan's day. Our goal was to ruin Satan's day. You know, sometimes it's hard. We get up and our goal is just to get through the day. Maybe just to brush our teeth. Maybe just to even, like, you know, make it to work. Or, you know what I mean, you parent the kids, you know, or even just, like, sleep for 30 minutes. Like, sometimes we have that. But I, I just woke up the sense of, you know what, our goal here is to ruin Satan's day. Why? Because we know that Jesus destroyed Satan's work. And we know that we're in the final hour of the church. We don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back. But we know that Satan is our enemy. He's God's enemy. And we want to be able to maintain victory in the name of Jesus. So how do we, main, how do we maintain this victory? We resist the devil. So James 4, I know you're in Ephesians, we'll get there, but it says this. But he gives, James 4, starting in verse 6, he gives more grace how many have, let's say that together. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, yikes, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And so I read that. I was just like, man, that's a lot of good words, but like, how do I do that? Like, how do I actually do what the Bible says? is telling us to do. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, it's the armor of God. This is how you resist the devil. It's the armor of God. It's like, well, we've preached on the armor of God. Everyone knows the armor of God. Not everybody. But you know, you know, you got the helmet of salvation, you got the belt. You have all these things. And the Lord spoke to me and said, read Ephesians 6 again. And so that's what we're going to do. Ephesians 6, you're already there, starting in verse 10. Because I believe that this armor of God, I want to put it in terms that we can wrap our heads and our hands around in practical day-to-day -day life, okay? Because most of you aren't actually putting a be the belt of truth on. You're not walking around with an actual shield and a sword. You didn't put on, you know, your helmet th that day, right? So what does that actually mean, and how do we actually do it? Starting in verse 10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. It's important. It's the whole armor. Many of us get up and we just start fighting with a sword. And we start using our words and the Bible and we're, we're constantly doing this. But we have ourselves exposed because we didn't put the breastplate of righteousness on. We didn't pick up the shield of faith. 
We're not walking in any kind of peace because we never put those shoes on. We're just constantly using our words and we're fighting some battle and we're completely exposed. It says put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the lies, the deceits of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So our battle is not against each other. It's against the devil and his kingdom. This is who we're fighting. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So it's interesting that he uses, Paul says, the whole armor of God, he says it twice. How many times, know when you're talking to your kids, most of the time you have to say it twice. Why do I have to keep repeating myself, right? How many of your parents say that? Like, I've told you over and over and over to go up and take a shower. Why are you still sitting here? Right? Sometimes, as human beings, we need to be reminded, and we need to be told. And so Paul is like, hey, put on that whole armor, and then I'm going to go a few verses, and I'm going to say it again. Put on the whole armor. Like, don't miss any of it. Don't miss any piece of it on a daily basis, because this is the way we resist the devil and defeat his schemes. We cast them out in the name of Jesus, but we have to put on this armor to protect this house. Stand there for having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the first one I have this morning is this belt of truth. What does this mean in a practical way? It means renewing our mind with the word of God. What is truth? <laughs> this is truth. This is, this is what we put, well, how do I put it, I mean, how do I put this thing on? Well, if you're going to renew your mind, you have to read the word of God. It has to continue to be a part of your life and begin to quote it and speak it. And, well, I don't know the exact verse exactly the way it is or where it is. That doesn't stop me. God knows your heart. You know how many different translations of the Bible there are? And a lot of times in the house there's an Ackerman translation of the Bible, Right? Because you start quoting a scripture and you forgot the thee, thus, though, or thou. But in general, in the spirit of the verse that you're saying, you're getting it right. And that's okay. I would rather have you speak the truth of the word than not say it at all because you haven't got the exact verse memorized specifically where it is. You know, well, there's that verse, something about, you know, taking a stand against the devil and he'll flee from me. But I don't remember where it is and maybe it's in James. And so I'm just not going to speak that word. No. You stand on that word. We renew our minds with the word of God. In Romans 12, it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the world. Truth is here. Truth is not in the world. And the only thing that the world has that has any truth in it they took from here. It's true. They took from here. Even science. The Bible proves science. I mean, it's crazy. It's awesome. I love it. Come on, guys. Right? 
So it says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. So if we're not going to be, how do we transform? By the renewing of our minds that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So this belt of truth that we put on, we put the word of God into our hearts every single day. Somehow, some way, either the Holy Spirit reminds us, or we do a devotional, or we read the Bible in some way, or we listen to Audible Bible on our way to work. However you have to do it, you must put that belt of truth on. And the reason why Paul talks about the belt of truth first in this list of things, because if you know anything about how armor went on in those days, is everything connected to the old belt of truth. Literally, like the shield would rest on it, the breastplate would connect to it, the sword, the she- you know, the sword was on it. Everything had, it's like this foundational, fundamental thing. We have to renew our minds on a daily basis with the truth, which is the word of God. And then also in that same verse says the breastplate of righteousness. And here's why we talked about this a little bit already this morning. What does this mean? How do I put on a breastplate of righteousness? And I believe that for us as a church, we have to know, recognize, and understand that we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That when we begin to think of, well, you know, I did that. And I shouldn't have done that. And I, you know, and I just, I'm I'm a terrible person because I did this thing a year ago. And we begin to bring back stuff in the past that Jesus has already paid the price for. He's cleansed us from it. And we begin to walk in this condemnation for it. The Holy Spirit is telling us, stop doing that. Stop doing that. The Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will not bring condemnation on us. If you begin to feel lower and weaker and worse and all this other stuff, that is the enemy coming on. You have to put that breastplate of righteousness back up and take a stand against the devil and say, I don't believe those lies. No in Jesus' name. He will try to remind you of every bad, wrong thing you've ever done. And just because you thought it remembered, it doesn't mean you have to park there or camp there. I'll give you a personal story. I camped there yesterday. Yeah, got silent. Ooh, what happened? Guys, I had a bad day yesterday. You can ask Liz <laughs> or the kids. And what happened to me is there was a lie that I was believing. And I realized that I w- it was like little by little, the enemy was just bringing condemnation and condemnation and condemnation. And it was this lie that I was believing that I can't, I mean, there's, there's multiple ones, but the one I'll share with you, the lie that I was believing is that it's like I'm a robot. I can't live from my heart. I can just go through the motions and the actions. I can't really love anybody. I can't care about anybody. I have no compassion for anybody. I'm just like a robot. I just get up and do the same thing over and over every day. And I just walk around like that. And so the whole day yesterday... I mean, I literally, this is different for me. I went up to my bed, 5.30, and just laid there and turned on the Army-Navy football game. I'm serious, my face was like this. Started yelling at the kids. They probably weren't even doing anything wrong. Well, maybe they were. And I just was like, man. And it's like, I just needed it, actually. Liz helped me snap, snap me out of it, like, she like, she like, what are you doing? 
was just like, what are you doing? Like, I needed some truth to be spoken to me, to snap me out of it. But what happened, I realized, it was like, and the Lord's ministered me this morning, like, what have you been preaching on? Like, you just actually, like, the Satan caught, he caught me in a trap. And it ruined my whole day. He stole my day. He stole my day. I allowed him to do it. And I didn't have to let that happen. But it did. And it will happen sometimes to us. But what I, have to, what I want you guys to understand is that breastplate of righteousness that we put on, understand that when the enemy is lying and whispering stuff and making you feel bad and little and awful and disgusting and you're a horrible person and all this other stuff, you have to reject that. That's not from the Holy Spirit. That's not how he talks. That's not how he ministers. He is there to convict you and lift you up. So you can do this. And so I was stuck there, but I had to get through that. I had to put that breastplate of righteousness on. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I was just like, what does that mean? So I put shoes on. I just get to walk in peace all the time. Someone cuts me off in traffic. Like, I got my peace shoes on. I'm not going to get upset about that at all. Like, like what is this? What, when I put on these shoes of peace, what does this mean? And as I just began studying, is I, there's a, there's a, it means a lot of things. One of the things I want to share this morning is it is, talks about maintaining these godly relationships with other Christians. Maintaining God, what does that mean to maintain a godly relationship? How do I walk in peace in a godly relationship? Well, guess what? It means actually forgiving one another. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He's like, you remember the Lord's Prayer? Because I was talking to somebody about that this week. And it says, you know, forgive us our trespasses <laughs> as we forgive those who trespass against us. People are like, whoa. Like, that's like, a, we did a whole message on that. Like, that's like, whoa. You mean to me that God, this is Jesus' prayer. This is, he taught us how to pray. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. To walk in a godly relationship, to walk in peace, you have to be able to forgive. I'm not saying forget, but there must be this element of forgiveness in our lives. Or we go these days and these weeks and these years, I was talking to somebody this week, and you know that there's a direct correlation between, it's not always, not always this way, so don't be like, I don't believe that, okay? But there is scientific research that says those who uh, harbor deep unforgiveness and bitterness are more likely to get cancer. Like scientific research. Like, whoa. <laughs> the truth, right here, the Bible. God knows that. I mean, this is, I mean, and wh why is that? Because we're holding something in, and it's actually not even, it's, it's hurting us more than it's hurting the other person. And we're just, we walk around like, we, you know, I'm just, well, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm like, you don't have to go run into their house and, you know, go forgive them for everything they've ever done this afternoon. But let the Holy Spirit lead you in it. But in your heart, you have to say, Lord, am I harboring unforgiveness to this person in this situation? Because if you are, you can't walk around with the shoes of peace. <laughs> it like doesn't work. Because you're harboring something that is not peaceful in our heart. And so we have to maintain these godly relationships and we have to understand, we have to forgive others and confess to one another. How many know there's healing in confession to one another? The Bible clearly states that in James. 
it says it. Hey, when we confess to one another, so we can be healed. So that's what a godly relationship looks like. So the next verse is 16. So I think, to me, that's how we put on those shoes of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery all. Let me go back and read that again. That you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith, to me, this is taking authority over Satan on a daily basis. We build up our faith by hearing and hearing the word of God, and we understand that that's how we build up our faith. But this is the taking the authority part. This is not the sword. This is not fighting. This is saying, you know what? I'm going to take my authority in the name of Jesus over everything going on this day. And you stand there because all those darts that are coming against you, you're putting up this shield. You're putting up this shield of faith saying, I today will declare I have victory over the enemy today. And you do that every day over your marriage, over your relationship, over your business, over your home. And you begin to speak that and declare that every day you are holding that shield up. You're walking around with it. And so the fiery darts of the enemy, you don't even have to see them coming. The more I believe, the more we take that authority, it's like the bigger the shield becomes. And it's just like, you know, I don't even have to worry about like where the fiery darts are coming from. Because I got this big shield with me. It's just knocking them down as they're coming. And what happens is, is yesterday, I didn't wake up and take authority over the enemy. I believed these lies. And my shield I was walking around with was like, you know, a Lego shield. It's like I had a Lego shield yesterday. You know, and if you have such a small shield, what do you have to do? You have to know exactly, you know, it's like a Marvel movie. Like, you know, exactly, like... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't do all day going in slow motion, avoiding the fiery darts of the enemy. But we have to, every single day, we have to build that up and take that authority that we have in Jesus' name. And verse 17 says, put on to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. So what is this helmet of salvation? I believe it's by guarding our thoughts. We have to recognize those thoughts that are coming at us that are not of him, and we have to guard them. It says in 2 Corinthians, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down the strongholds, for casting down the arguments from the enemy, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We have to, on a regular basis, guard our thoughts, listen to our thoughts, and know before we get down on a trail, way down here, that, you know what, that's not truth. That's not from the Lord. That's not truth. And we begin to guard those thoughts. And you, I mean, some, you guys know you can hear yourself, right? All those thoughts that are coming, you begin to discern, say, all right, Lord, that's not of you. Lord, that's not of you. And you begin to practice that, and I believe we get better at it as we go. And then the sword of the Spirit, this for me is engaging in warfare. This is engaging in warfare using the word of God. It, says we, it said in James, we read that before, it says you must first submit to God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. I believe that we begin to engage in a warfare using the word of God. What does that mean on a daily basis? It means put it up in your house. 
write it on a piece of paper and stick it by the light switch. We have an incredible graphic artist person in our house who does this for us, and she makes these great scripture verses, and we put them up in a doorway before we enter the house, but as we're going out of the house, in the bathrooms, in the hallways, wherever. The word of God is the sword. It's how we do the battle. We need to see it. We need to read it. We need to speak it out loud. It's the, it's the power that we have on the offensive weapon that we have, the spirit of truth. And then verse 18 says this, and we usually stop because we think, well, we got the whole armor on now. Now we have nothing else we have to do. But Paul goes one step further. And Ephesians says this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And I believe here is not just Declaring and using the believer's authority, not just speaking the word of God, but taking all things to prayer and spending time with him in prayer in the spirit. And on January 1st, I'm going to link this to what we talked about on that Sunday with they will speak with new tongues. And what does that mean and what does that look like? And what does praying in the spirit really look like? But I believe this for us here is having a daily prayer time. Sid, if you want to come back up. So to me, this was how we actually put this armor on. And I know this is an analogy that Paul used, but hopefully this gives some practical insight of what this looks like. Because let me tell you, church, it's a time to act. We are in a time and a space to be doers of the word. We need to be doers of the word in our homes. I'm not talking about declaring it and preaching on the corner of, you know, 12th and state. If the Lord leads you to do that, talk to me first and then we can maybe, you know, get something going. But what I'm saying is this being a doer of the word means as much in our day-to-day actions. It means as much from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, how we treat our coworkers. All of that God instructs us being doers of the word. And so I think from these teachings regarding, you know, demons and how do we cast them out, I believe that we as a church are prepared to see these signs follow us wherever we go. I believe as we move into, well, we're in this Advent season as we get closer and closer to celebrating Jesus' birth, that my expectations are high. Pastor Andy and I talked about this. My expectations are high. I mentioned it this morning when we opened. For a move of God in our homes and in our families. Yeah, you may see a move of God in your workplace or wherever you're at, but I really believe that as we're seeking Jesus this Advent season, that there will be a move of God in your families like you've not seen before. A move of God of peace, of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of wholeness, of things that only he can do by his power in the name of Jesus. So bow your heads with me this morning. I want to read this one verse and then I'm going to make that declaration that we've been making each week. 
says, And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for the authority that you have and that you've defeated the grave. And so this morning we declare, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and your demonic forces may not come against this church, these families, these people. Satan, you are bound away from us. You are bound away from our families. And we are covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, kill, or destroy us or our property in Jesus' name. And I remind you, Satan, that you are defeated. And we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Guys, as we close this morning, we've got some small group leaders that are going to be up here. They can pray with you. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Come up here, talk with them. They will lead you in a prayer. But more than that, they will just bring Jesus into your life because of how good Jesus is. And they will walk with you and show you what are the next steps that you need to take. Maybe you need prayer for healing. Maybe you need someone to lay hands on you to pray for healing. Just come up here. Don't rush out this morning. Just come up here and get prayer as they're here. And I want to read this benediction over you. Ephesians 3. And I just believe this is for our families this Advent season. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations for all of our family forever and ever. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.